Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. It's a dipping finish, but I think that Sally Pierce has got there. Oh, you great save. save again by Huge save. Wonderful save. That's not a try, that's a miracle. Uh, You're listening to the Crowd Catch. Buckle up as we dive in to all things sport. There's a Crowd Catch. And I think he's dropped his beard. Dusty Martin is without a doubt still letting rip on the D floor and bending that elbow. But unfortunately, we are not able to join him because we have got episode 24 of the Crowd Catch to record. My name is Zachary Gates and once again, I'm joined by Jack Howard. How are you doing, mate? Mate, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Um, my head's probably got feeling a little bit better than Dusty on this lovely morning. I would say so. And uh, let's uh, add the cheese, Brandon Smith, into that. And Jimmy the Jet, James Coman, you also join us. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm doing fantastic. And I've been loving what the cheese has been up to these past couple of days. Absolutely. He's a character. Uh, that interview with Brad Fittler goes out saying was an absolute beauty. Just letting our listeners know that uh, as we'll drop on social media that uh, later on in this episode, hang around because we'll be chatting with former Broncos player, played with six different clubs, but mainly the Broncos played four state of origin games for the Maroons. Kevin Campion will be joining us for our first ever edition of Zoom Beers. Uh, brought to you by VB. So hang around for that. We'll review the NRL Grand Final. We will preview Game 1 of the Origin Series, mainly through Queensland's lens, and, of course, uh, talk to Kevy, the former NRL hard man, about what he is getting up to in retirement. But, uh, boys, firstly, what caught your eye? Well, I'll kick us off. You touched, it, uh, touched on it there in the intro. It was Brendan Smith's post-match interview with Freddie Fittler, um, there's one thing better than the grand final. It's got to be the post-match interviews which follow. Um, so, yeah, take a listen on Brendan's take on the game here. Jeez. Yeah. How was that? How did that feel? Yeah, no, it was pretty good. I mean, I played pretty shit tonight, but uh, I got the ring and, um, yeah, it's for sale. I need to pay for all the beers. I'm about to sink. Give us a look at the bling. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I can't wait to take this back home to my mum and dad. You know, everything uh, they sacrificed to put me in this position that I'm in right now and uh, this is definitely for them so uh, I'm super stoked and I just can't wait to have get on the piss with all the boys and who's uh, your drinking partner uh, I'll take anyone as long as they'll drink a lot unreal what an absolute character and love his little Kiwi accent as well and and <laughs> I, th- I th- believe the just the images kept rolling on throughout the night of how he was celebrating in the shed so just uh, it's great to have a character like that in the NRL what caught my eye was actually some Sheffield Shield scores over the weekend in particular three uh, our captain, Tim Payne's back in the run, scoring a, uh, a century. Uh, he's first in quite some time. It was great to see him uh, raising the bat. Also, Travis had a huge uh, century for himself. I think he uh, finished around the 170 mark and in some trying conditions. Uh, it was a pressure cooker when he came into the crease and uh, really stood up. So that will put him in great stead now to uh, almost be a certainty to start in his first test match against India. And the third one, of course, was Cameron Green. Everyone's been talking about the all-rounder. He was Zachary's one to watch a couple of weeks ago. 
And what a watch it was, uh, just falling three runs short of a double ton, but has well and truly put his name up the selections and is the first player in quite some time to be scoring the runs to, I guess, warrant the phrase banging down the door for selections. But you'd have to feel he's maybe one timely, uh, I guess, innings off a test debut this year. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a very exciting prospect in Australian cricket. What caught my eye was Jofra Archer taking a spectacular catch in the Indian Premier League on Monday. He was fielding at third man when a cut shot went flying toward the boundary and he threw himself in the air, arched his back and clung onto the ball with one hand. The commentators went berserk. It's flashy, flashy! Are you kidding me? You are kidding me! Just like that, it's Archer. All through the little Sunday afternoon evening to pluck one out of the air. Holy smoke! That is obscene. Akatik Tiagi had both hands on top of his head for a long time because he couldn't believe this. Only a West Indian can do that. Boys and uh, listeners, of course, you can find the footage of this remarkable catch on the Fox Sports website. So as soon as this episode is done, jump on the net. It is up there with the best T20 catches of all time. Speaking of best of all time, Zachary, we are seeing one of the best finals players of all time emerge in Dusty Martin. An incredible display again on the weekend. The first player, I believe, to take out three Norm Smith medals. Mate, what did you make of the game? Uh, what did I make of the game itself? Uh, it had everything. Two stretches. Of course, Nick Vloston and uh, Sam Simpson both went off concussed. Um, Gary Ablett in his 357th and final AFL match, one of the greatest AFL players of all time, arguably the greatest player of all time. He's, um, Dusty Martin has joined him in that conversation. He hurt his shoulder, uh, went off, came back on, soldiered on. What a champion. He got a guard of honour, really really touching, heartwarming guard of honour by uh, Richmond after the match. Very well-deserved. Richmond came back from 21 points down to stage an epic finals comeback that was largely on the back of Dusty Martin and kicked four goals. And, uh, and kicked two of them in the last quarter. There were two pitch invaders. The first pitch invader I can remember at the Gabba since uh, Andrews, since uh, since that one who copped a flogging from Andrew Simons. Uh, there may have been one since, but that one definitely springs to mind. Awesome entertainment package, including the first halftime grand final show since 2012. Um, and as we've touched on, more dusty brilliance. There was a lot packed into the 2020 AFL grand final. Not to mention all the speculation at the start of the game that there may be, I guess, a delay due to lightning around and the, I guess, images of the pitch just hours before just completely puddled up. It was great to see the ground staff looking after the most important thing, the cricket pitch ahead of the summer. But, <laughs> yeah, look, it was just uh, it was drama every, every turn of the game. Yeah, absolutely right. There was, there was injury carnage, as we mentioned, there were stretches and so much more. And uh, well, what was interesting was that the AFL actually has a rule where if lightning is detected within 10 kilometres of the venue, either the start or the, re- or the resumption has to be delayed by 30 minutes. But uh, it, fascinatingly, despite the downpour of rain leading up to the match, there was hardly any rain that fell throughout the match. So it was uh, the weather gods definitely turned it on. And uh, the game itself... Geelong, he had the feel for Geelong fans. They would have been loving the halftime entertainment, dancing around the living room with quite a sizable lead. Unfortunately, they just didn't seem to come back out in that second half. Dusty Martin uh, tore the game away from them, uh, from Cats fans, didn't he? 
21 touches, 10 of them contested, four goals, two of them in the last quarter. And every single one of his goals, boys, was an absolute beauty. I thought uh, particularly his last goal where he uh, intercepted the handball and then shrugged off no other than Patrick Dangerfield, eight-time All-Australian, Brownlow medalist for best and fairest awards. But he managed to shrug off the great danger and then snapped an absolute beauty on the run from the left forward pocket. Yeah, of course, heading into this match, uh, he was one of one, two, three, one of four players who had won two Norsemith medals in uh, Gary Ayres, Luke Hodge and Andrew McLeod. And he's, of course, now the only one to have won three Norsemith medals. So that elevates him to a whole nother conversation, doesn't it? Champion player and uh, particularly on the big stage. Most certainly is. And Zachary, I'll ask you this question to, I guess, finish our AFL coverage for the year. With Richmond not really losing any of their key players and, uh, you know, being so dominant in the back half of this season, will they start next year's favourites? Yes, I I think so. I think so. Um, At this stage, it's looking like Geelong will be, uh, again, very strong next year and probably even stronger because... uh, Gary Ablett, although he's one of the greatest players of all time, he's, of course, hanging up his boots and he's likely to be replaced by Jeremy Cameron. So you'd think that will strengthen Geelong just because although Gary Ablett was such a great player, he tailed off because of age over the back end of his career. Jeremy Cameron uh, won the Coleman medal last year and he's he's still got some um, awesome years ahead of him. So Geelong will be very strong. But uh, I think on the back of winning uh, three premierships in four years in 2017, 2019 and 2020 and having Dusty Martin and Trent Cotchin and Tom Lynch and Jack Revolt and Basha Hawley and the whole lot, Richmond's got to go into 2021 as favourites. What a year it will be. Looking forward to it. Could they do the three-peat? And of course, that would make it, what, four and five years. Incredible stuff we're seeing there out of Richmond. Well, from one grand final to the next, as we heard in the intro, we're just about to launch our very first instalment of Zoom Beers brought to you by VB and really exciting to have this next guy joining us for a couple of beers on Zoom. It's Kevin Campion. Then for Campion, Campion away for Carroll, Carroll for Sailor, Sailor will make it, Sailor's over. Oh. It's Campion, now it's away for Campion to give it on to Lawatiti. Yeah, Kevin Campion I think is a try scorer, right? Campion to the right for Jones. Campion. Campion with a fend. Campion for the line. Kevin Campion, mate, how are you going? I'm going well, boys. I hope you're going well too. Mate, um, we'll get straight into it, Kevin. Uh, we've just seen uh, another Storm Premiership. Uh, an interesting grand final from the first whistle to the last. What did you make of it? Oh, look, I, I was a bit um, worried about Penrith being such a young group of players, uh, whether they would be able to handle the occasion. And uh, I guess... I think I think a few of them are a bit overawed. Um, you know, I, I was happy to see Kikau back in the side because he's such a such a strong uh, strong player for their team. And, but um, I think he was reading too many papers during the week and uh, forgot uh, forgot his job. So yeah, look, it just didn't go their way on the day. I, I think if they you know had that time over again, they would uh, they would. Um, you know, certainly concentrate on their, their own individual jobs. Yeah, well, you've, uh, you're no stranger to grand finals. You've also, unfortunately, lost a couple. But, you know, for a young side like the Panthers, do you think that might put a bit of fire in their bellies and down the track they'll be better off? Well, it's hard to say. I, I guess um, it's been such a hard year for everyone, but it's such a... Such it's difficult to, to get to a grand finals. You know, you put in a, a lot of effort. It takes you know, twelve months pre season. 
know, you've got to you have you've got to have luck on your side. You've got to have you know no injuries throughout the year, and you've got to have your key players on the field at the right time. So, I was only speaking to Ashley Harrison this morning. We we um, we did a weight session together, and um, you know, Ashley Ashley um, uh, was in our grand final side in two thousand, and and he came off the bench, and uh, yeah, and, and we were fortunate enough to win that game. Uh, but that was his only grand final in his 15-year career. So that was his first year uh, in first grade and never played in another um, grand final. Played in a prelim for uh, the Gold Coast Titans, um, I think 2010 or 2011. But, um, you know, history says it's, uh, it's very difficult to uh, get to a grand final and it's even harder to win one. Yeah, absolutely, which goes to show it's just remarkable that Melbourne uh, was able to make their way into a fourth grand final in five years. But um, as, as we've mentioned, Kevin, you lost a couple of grand finals with uh, St. George Dragons and the New Zealand Warriors, but you're also fortunate enough to uh, be a part of the two Broncos Premiership winning sides of 1998 and 2000. Talk to us about how special experience it was to uh, take home the Proven Summers Trophy on the big stage. Oh, look, it's... It's a highlight of my career. Both, you know, every grand final is a highlight. But as I said, you know, the first one was very difficult. Um, it was very, you know, had so many outside influences, like family and friends, you know, wanting tickets to the big game, and so I, I didn't handle the week very well. Uh, going into the '98 season, I, you know, it, it, it wasn't up until the night, the like midnight on the of the you know the day before the game that I I was really calm and I I knew my role in the team and what I had to do um, and I didn't sort of um, I wasn't mentally prepared for that um, when I was playing for St George uh, 90, uh, 2000 was you know I was experienced and I just knew what we needed to do to win the grand final so 2002 was exactly the same but those experiences um, uh, you know, the most, you know, I, I didn't play many Origin games, but I played in four grand finals. And, I, you know, they were the really big highlights uh, for me because not many people get to play in a grand final and not many people get to win one. So uh, it's, it's really emotional. You're, you're spending a lot of time with these guys. You know, you, you, you build really great relationships with them. You learn how to trust. You learn how, you learn who not to trust, who to trust. And, uh and when you win that grand final, it's um, like it was very emotional. When you say that you won two grand finals and how emotional it was, of course, you shared it with uh, some of the best players in, in rugby league. And, of course, it was a brilliant Broncos team you were a part of. Uh, do you guys still catch up much? Do you still have much to do where you catch up, have a couple of beers and uh, reminisce about the, uh, the two wins? Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate. I've played for a lot of teams. So I've got old boys do every year and there's a lot of them so you know the the broncos we you know they're really they're really big on the old boys group um you know they're always having they probably have 12 12 12 drinks a year uh the last friday we celebrated uh kevin walter's um appointment as coach of the uh broncos so there was a great group of us all together and uh you know having a a laugh about you know old times i guess but unfortunately this year was our 20th anniversary for the 2000 uh, grand final. So 
last year, or I mean, two years ago, we, we celebrated the 98 grand final. So we all uh, went up to the Broncos Leagues Club and, you know, it was a big day for the club. And it was going to be on again this year. So, unfortunately, um, due to COVID, it's uh, been postponed. But, uh, yeah, look, always celebrating something. Crossing from the NRL stage to State of Origin, talk to us about your memories uh, from your four State of Origin games for Queensland. Yeah, well, they sort of came a bit later in my career, unfortunately. You know, I was hoping to, uh, you know, get a few few up before uh, my debut. So, but it, look, it was it was great. Um, I'd been part of the 2000 Grand Final squad, and a lot of those players were in that team in 2001. So. It was an easy transition going into that side. I was playing for the Warriors uh, at the time. and oh, Just to hear my name get called out was just an amazing experience, even at, at such a, an older age, at 29. Um, but, you know, it, was, it lived up to all expectation. It was very emotional. It was the last game. My first game was the last game at, uh, at uh, Lake Park, uh, which it used to be called. And, um, and that was the home of rugby league in in, uh, in Queensland, where you know I travelled down as a young kid from Serena in North Queensland to watch a Brisbane Grand Final, so it was it was so you know very emotional running onto the onto the field. Uh, the crowd was um, you know was it was a packed house, and you know singing the national anthem was uh, you know obviously brought a tear to my eye. It was also an incredibly special series to be a part of in terms of history. Of course, it was Wayne Bennett's return, and we all know about the uh, master move to bring Alfie back for Game 3. What were the scenes like in the camp when uh, you guys heard that he'd be rejoining you for that deciding game? Well, we sort of did. We didn't know that uh, Alfie was coming back. There was a rumour going around that uh, he was coming back, and you know, obviously being an older sort of guy in the team, I think, no, this, this is uh, a bit of a G-up. But, uh, you know, we'd lost... Um, Gordy Tellis uh, due to a neck injury in game two and you know he was he was such a great leader for us he was our inspiration um, and losing Gordon was a you know a big you know big blow to the side our confidence wise but um, you know knowing that Elfie was uh, coming back for game three just lifted the whole side he's such a character uh, and he's such a leader, and he's some someone that you want to play well for. Uh, he's got, you know, his, his leadership qualities are second to none. So he's a guy that I always, I love playing with him uh, first and foremost. But uh, you always wanted to play well for him. You know, you never wanted to let him down. Well, just just quickly, I guess off the back of that, then how close to kickoff of game three did you find out that Alfie was coming back? Did you guys find out when he was on the plane, when he was back in the country? We arrived a week, you know, we went into camp a week before the game. So he, he arrived early um, in that week. So we had plenty of preparation with him. Um, and it was a different, it was a different um, origin back then. I guess, you know, we were rebuilding. We weren't, you know, we weren't uh, the team of, um, you know, in the 90s where they'd get on the drink and, you know, binge for three or four days before they start training. We were, you know, we went out to a, like a health resort uh, on the Gold Coast and we weren't, there was no no alcohol allowed. We were, all we were doing is we focused on the game and, and winning uh, winning for Queensland, which I was a bit dirty about because I was, you know, hoping to get on the, on the binge and get on the drink. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, there's, there's no better way to bring a team together than beers, in my opinion. But, um, uh, it was it was Wayne Bennett's uh, bit of a masterstroke from him to bring Alfie in. He's obviously uh, uh, coaching Queensland once again. They've got quite a bit of an underdog team as well this year. Do you think Wayne might just be the perfect coach for this Origin Series for Queensland? Look, he's going to get instant respect from the players. They won't want to let the super coach down. You know, he's such a he's such a you know great figure in rugby league, and a lot of these young kids. Wouldn't uh, or never been coached by him, or but you know he, he's got a reputation that uh, besides him, he, he will bring an aura about him into that squad, and they will he will have them those uh, young players prime. Whoever takes the field on the night, you know they, they're obviously picked for a reason, and they're good enough to play for Queensland, so uh, they'll be primed, you know, to to get onto that field, and uh, they'll, you know there's sweet things that they need. They they need to. You know, want to play for themselves. They want to play for the team. But the most important thing is, you know, I think it's an important ingredient is they want to play for the coach and not want to let the coach down. And, and Wayne will, Wayne will certainly have an effect on that uh, young group of players. So we've mentioned that underdog uh, Maroons team. How important will it be in light of that for the more established members of the Maroons squad, like Josh Papali, uh, Daly Cherry Evans, and Cameron Munster, to I guess uh, put their best foot forward and uphold their end of the bargain. Yeah, it won't be much different for those older players um, with Wayne coming into the side. You know, look, again, uh, I don't think any any um, or many of those players have been coached by the, by the great man. So, look, they will want to impress him. Um, and all they have to do is do their job. Wayne will keep it really, really simple. Uh, they, there's enough strike uh, power in that side to, you know, to win a game. and But Wayne will... Keep it very. It'll keep them very calm and very. It'll keep the game plan very simple, and uh, they they won't. He definitely won't overcoach because that's not his thing. Fantastic. Well, it, it sounds like uh, we've spoken to the perfect person to, uh, I guess, get the inside of Wayne Bennett. Of course, uh, it, it's a very similar, uh, I guess, uh, situation they're faced with that you were faced with in two thousand and one. Kevin, your career extended to a couple more years. Uh, I believe finishing in 04 with the Cowboys. Um, 16 years have gone by since then. Uh, what has Kevin Campion been up to in those 16 years? And, uh, yeah, look, I've, I've had a few businesses along the way since I retired. I, I had uh, the great opportunity to go back and coach for a year over at the Warriors. So I did that. And then I, I had a real estate business right here on the Gold Coast. Um, I've since sold that. And now I've got a commercial cleaning business and a commercial uh, industrial protective coating business. So that sort of keeps me busy these days. Um you know, I'm, I'm working out in the mines with my protective coating business and, and things are going pretty well. On top of all of that, uh, Kevin, uh, by the sounds of things, you've been a very busy man since hanging up the boots. But uh, on top of all of that, uh, from the research I've done, you've also been involved in an anti-ice campaign. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, look, it's called the Australian Anti-Ice Campaign and it's, it was founded by a lady called Andrea Simmons. Um, she was a multi-millionaire developer uh, on the Gold Coast, uh, a model. She was a singer, actor, uh, and a beautiful-looking uh, lady. And uh, she, her relationship broke down, and she met up with a guy one night, and he offered her some ice. And for the next year, she was living. By the next year, she was living on the streets. Basically, had lost everything and was on a. A two thousand a week habit um, with the drug ice. So 
she started up a foundation. She got clean, obviously. She started up a foundation called the Australian Any Ice Campaign. And what we do, we, we go out to schools and educate kids um, about the effects of uh, the drug ice and how it affects uh, not only themselves, uh, their mental health, and but also their family and friends around them. So, look, it's, it's slowly um, gaining momentum. Um, through the government system uh, as well now. And, look, yeah, I'm very proud of uh, what we've been doing. Yeah, well, look, Kevin, of course, you achieved a lot on the rugby league field. And by the sounds of things, you're achieving just as much off it and having a really positive impact on society. Um, getting back to footy, um, of course, you played for six clubs in the Gold Coast Seagulls, St. George Dragons, Adelaide Rams, Brisbane Broncos, New Zealand Warriors and uh, finishing your career at the North Queensland Cowboys. So it goes without saying that you were a rugby league journeyman. Um, do you feel an affiliation all these years later with any of those clubs in particular? Oh, look, you know, the, definitely the clubs that I, I, I played in grand finals with, uh, I do. I, I was, you know, I, I was basically taken up to North Queensland to sort of to change the culture of that, of that side. Uh, you know, in the two years... I was there, you know, you know, we finished up making the prelim final to go into the grand final. So that was a great achievement. Um, and I'm very, very proud of uh, all the clubs that I went to. You know, I was, obviously, you, you know, you put uh, effort into every club. But, you know, I do have an affiliation mainly with the Broncos. It's, a, you know, it's a Queensland team. And, and uh, you know, we won two premierships while I was there in three years. So... Um, I learned I learned a lot about myself and uh, basically teamwork and and what you know makes teams tick uh, from my experience um, at the Broncos and I, I I took that over to the Warriors and changed their culture there and uh, took that uh, experience up to the Cowboys and and uh, changed helped change the culture there. It's you know we were we had Billy Johnson up there which. Um, can change anything. Can change anyone uh, because he was such a, a hard taskmaster. Master, but uh, yeah, look, main, mainly the guy. Uh, sorry, the Broncos. That's a, that's my team. Yeah, um, well, it sounds like you've had a lot to do with culture. In um, you know, you're pretty experienced in the game. What what do you think makes a good culture for a rugby league team? Oh, you know, you have to have the right players for one. You know, you 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 need players that want to who want to listen and learn, that's for sure. Uh, you know, you can't take any shortcuts in life and you can't take any shortcuts on the footy field. You always get found out. So, you know, setting, playing the foundation of uh, early on, very strict rules on where the club needs to go and but everyone has to buy in. You, you can't have anyone not going in the same direction. Everyone has to buy in throughout the club. If you have one guy... It uh, doesn't want to buy in. You know, you're uh, you're gone from the start. In in my experience uh, as a seasoned park footballer, I find uh, the off field antics and the the beers after the game do the best for culture. What what do you think? Uh, the Storm have been partying pretty hard in the fallout of the grand final this year. Do you think your your celebrations in two thousand might have trumped theirs? <laughs> Look, it's it's it takes a, a while to sink in. You know, it's such a long year. And you're exhausted by the end of it. We celebrated really hard. We did celebrate really hard <laughs> after that 2000 grand final. It, it was uh, it was really funny. We had some characters in the side and some young young up and comers, you know, characters like you know, even though he didn't play in the grand final, Chrissy Walker sort of debuted that year. I think 
We had Sean Berrigan and Ashley Harrison, Dane Carlaw, Brad Myers, those young kids that made you, you know, want to be young again. But we had one guy in particular, his name was Harvey Howard. He was an English uh, import that uh, had come across uh, to play for Western Suburbs and, and Wayne picked him up and, and brought him up. And uh, anyway, we're, we're partying after the grand final at the field the next morning and Harvey Howard rocks up dressed as Elvis Presley. And he's got the, the beautiful Elvis Presley suit. He's got the beautiful wig on, and he and he's doing all these renditions of the King. So it was just one of those moments in time that was just a really funny experience. Mate, uh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to sit in the dressing rooms after the uh, either the '98 Grand Final or the 2000 Grand Final, and just have a look at the likes of yourself and uh, Gordy Tallis and Alfie Langer and. Darren Lockyer, uh, bend the elbow and um, have some big yarns and, and enjoy a couple of premiership wins would have been absolutely awesome. It was also awesome to have you on the Crowd Catch for episode 24, Kevin. So thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for asking me on. Absolute pleasure and um, all the best for the remainder of the year. Good on you guys. Enjoy your day, hey? Well, that was a great Kevin Campion. It sounds like an absolutely phenomenal bloke. What, uh, what an absolutely great career. He's had throughout his time, um, good insight there uh, into Origin as well, ahead of the State of Origin series, and also an even better insight into the fallout of winning a premiership uh, in the Elvis Presley story, absolute cracker there. But Gates, it's that time of the week. Hit the buzzer. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. We have reached that time of week again where we dive headfirst into trivia. We absolutely love it, so let's waste no more time. Joining us on the end of the line is avid listener of the crowd catch, Graeme Howard, all the way from Lockhart in country New South Wales. And he's a very happy man because you support Graeme Richmond. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I enjoyed the grand final. They uh, played exceptionally well. Been a good couple of years as well. You must uh, are you close to getting a Dusty Martin-inspired tattoo. No, not quite. But um, it's been a long wait since they beat Collingwood by a record margin in 1980. So the last four years have been great. Absolutely, absolutely, Graham. Three uh, premierships in four years. That um, is enough to stamp it as a dynasty. But Graham, of course, uh, as we've uh, mentioned before, you jumped on the Zoom call with us. You've got the choice of playing either who's taller. True or false, or who's played more games, mate? What is your choice? Uh, I, I like the who's taller. Fantastic. Uh, love to hear, Graham. That's my segment. And uh, hopefully we can top off what has been a fantastic week, uh, Richmond winning. We can top it off with that signed stubby cooler, scientifically proven to make your beer taste 50% better. But I'm sure it was tasting 50% better on Saturday night anyway. So we'll see how we go. Graham, getting us off and running is the battle of our openers. Aaron Finch or David Warner, who's taller? Gee, that, they're both a bit short. Um, Aaron Finch. It is Aaron Finch. He is hey. got six centimetres on Warner, but you correct, both pretty short blokes. Aaron Finch, <laughs> 176 centimetres to Warner, 170. Rightio, next one is a footy one. We've got Aidan Tolman or James Graham, who's taller? Hmm. Uh, Tolman? It's unfortunately James Graham. Sorry, Graham. Oh dear. James there you go. Graham comes there in at 1.88 and Aiden Tolman at 
183, huh? So I let you down at the second one there. But look, that was, it, it actually tricked me, that one. I'm not going to lie. Jimmy <laughs> came up with that. So At least you got off the mark. Not many people do. Ah, uh, well, that's all right. You, uh, you can't be across everything. You can't. You can't. No doubt you'd be... Um, an expert when it comes to all things Tigers. But, uh, mate, that's not the end of this uh, fun segment with you because we believe you've got a trivia question ready to fire off for us. Well, yeah, I have. Um, Dusty Martin is actually the uh, flavour of the week. And uh, so I thought I'd ask you guys, uh, what pick was he in the 2009 draft? Nice, Gary! I might have first crack at this. Uh, it's a complete guess, but it's just in the back of my head, so I'll get it out there. I'm going to say number three. You are right. You beauty. All the stuff that's been written about him, it hasn't been mentioned in much in the last week, and I had to actually Wikipedia that to find that out. Graham, thank you so much for the double points. No worries. It's us Howards looking out, out for each other, Graham. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Great to be part of it. Thank you. Before we continue on with um, our favourite segment, uh, that being trivia, how about I give a score update? Jack is leading the way on, uh, well, after after that, I've, I've got to take that into her account. Jack's fluky get there. Oh, actually, it was in the back of my head, number three. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure they mentioned it in passing this week or even yeah. was a guess, but... Uh, Jack, you're a very happy, very happy man. After that, you were leading the way on 27 points. James is on 20, and I am floundering in last on 18. But boys, um, well, Jack, while you're jumping around like uh, happy Larry, how about you get us kickstarted, mate? I certainly can, mate. Um, bit of stadium trivia today, boys. Stadium trivia. Some of my favourite. First and foremost, in which country would you find the Millennium Stadium? I will say Spain. Is that your stab in the dark? Yeah. You sure you didn't know it? <laughs> I didn't know it, mate. You, mate. Well, clearly you didn't because it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I think it might be England. No, it's Wales. Oh, no! you got to take it! It's the home of the... Wales Club, we play there usually once a year when we'd go and tour Europe. So that's where you'd find the Millennium Stadium. They say it's one of the best rugby atmospheres in the world because the roof can close and you have a lot of singing fans. Question number two, which team plays their home games at London's Wembley Stadium? Manchester City. Oh, goodness me. That was never going to be good. Is it Tottenham? Oh, no! Tottenham did play there the last couple of years as their stadium was being built, but it's none of the English Premier League teams. Wembley is mainly reserved for the English football team, the national team. So you just needed to play a little bit more in the international category there. Well, Jack goes without saying that was a trick question, and hopefully you boys find my first... Our trivia question tricky in itself. The first ever night AFL Grand Final was, of course, held on Saturday. In which year was the first ever night NRL Grand Final held? Nice, Gary! I know that when the Knights won their first Grand Final 97, it was in the day. So I'm going to say 1999. Incorrect. Oh! 2013. 
2013 between the Roosters and Seagulls. Incorrect. I can't believe it. What is going on? It was 2001 when the Newcastle Knights, Jack's beloved Knights, beat the Eels 30 to 24. Question two, who holds the record for most Sheffield Shield wickets by a fast bowler? Jackson Bird. No. Nice, Gary! Is it Trent Copeland? It's not Trent Copeland. Oh, wow, can you believe that? The answer is Michael Kasparich. Michael Kasparich took 441 wickets at 24.56 in the Sheffield Shield. Of course, he had limited test opportunities because of Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee and Jason Gillespie. So um, instead, cut through a lot of overs in Australia's top domestic cricket competition. Aside from Jack's clutch double points, it's been pretty lacklustre trivia so far. Let's see if we can pick up some points here. Who is the winningest wooden spooners in NRL history? Oh, what a delivery! The Rabbitohs. Incorrect. Oh, how has he missed that? Nice, Gary! I know the Knights have uh, picked up a fair few, but I've got a feeling it's Parramatta Eels. Should have gone with your gut, Jack. It's the Newcastle Knights. Oh, my goodness. In 2015, they won eight games, leaving them on 20 points, tied with the West Tigers, but um, obviously for and against came into play, and they fell down to the wooden spoon position. But 20 points this year would have got them into eighth place. And last year, they would have finished seventh. But uh, the year that was 2015, they came dead last and got the spoon. On to the next. Can you name all the Gold Coast Titans players selected for Origin this year? Nice, Gary! I'm locking in AJ Brimson. Um, I'm trying to think of their forward pack. You wouldn't take many of them. Lock in AJ Brimson. Incorrect. Oh, dear. Okay, well, I'll add to that. Um, I think the ones on the top of my head are AJ Brimson, Jai Arrow, and Jamal Fogarty. Well, you were correct with Jai Arrow, but there's two you're missing. Oh, my goodness! Mo Fodawaka and Philip Sammy. That was a very <laughs> underwhelming round of trivia. Our listeners are probably sitting there having a big, uh, a big cackle. Yeah, and uh, I've somehow got two Newcastle Knights questions wrong, so... What a fan I am. Uh, well, let's move straight on to our challenges. Zachary, you're straight back in the shit, mate. Sorry to say. What was your short bet this week? I am straight back into our big pile of turd because my short bet was Gary Ablett Jr. to go out with a grand final goal, and that he did not. Rightio. Well, mate, I believe you missed out on the push-up, so we thought we might get you to get your day started with a bit of fitness. As you get ready to do push-ups, I might surge ahead with my three for this week. My short thing is for Cameron Smith to call it quits. And for the nature of this podcast, it will have to be done before the next episode. But I think there's a good chance of that. So Smith to retire is the short thing. Pressure cooker Aaron Finch with the Royal Challenges in the IPL this season in his 11 games. He's only scored 150 and averages just 21 but the slim runs don't stop there. Unfortunately, Aaron Finch uh, has never really had a good crack at it in the IPL. In his 86 matches, his high score is only 88, and his average is just 25, and there have been calls coming from the Royal Challengers fan squad to drop him for the remainder of the season. Uh, it's incredible that our one of our greatest T20 batsmen has not been able to, I guess, back it up in the IPL, and he's well and truly in the pressure cooker. 
One to watch is Leeds versus Leicester City over in England this week. Leeds have had a great crack at it since coming back up to the top flight, and Leicester City have been solid. It's four versus five. Uh, a win for the winner could see them climb as high as second on the ladder. The big show bet if it comes off. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, some good ones there, mate. And uh, while my heart rate continues to elevate and my muscles continue to gain in heaviness, I will continue us on. My sure bet is Lewis Hamilton to finish on the podium in the Italian Grand Prix on Sunday. The Briton has finished on the podium in every one of the last four World Championship rounds. He also broke Michael Schumacher's record for most career F1 wins on Sunday, so he's clearly in outstanding form. Pressure cooker, I'm putting in the pressure cooker. Queensland's likely halves for game one of the Origin Series. Cameron Munster and Daly Cherry Evans, if picked, will have the enormous task of leading the Maroons against a far superior Blues side. And boys, last but not least, my one to watch is Manchester United's clash with Arsenal on Monday. The two proud and successful clubs have both had very patchy starts to the 2021 season. Can one of them begin to go in the right direction on Monday? <laughs> you got that last one out. I felt like you struggled on that final one. Hi, oh, yeah, mate. I'm huffing and puffing. Well, uh, you catch your breath. I'll keep us going. My sure bet this week is the Carolina Panthers to beat the Atlanta Falcons in uh, their NFL showdown this weekend. In the pressure cooker, I've got the Wallabies. They uh, take on New Zealand in the third instalment of the Bloodest World Cup on uh, Saturday. Uh, this time it's been played on home soil at ANZ Stadium. So with a home crowd behind them, they've uh, tested the All Blacks in their past couple of encounters. So they'll be wanting to put on a big performance in front of their home crowd uh, and keep building on the progress that they've made. Um, and my one to watch, the women's big bash gets underway on Saturday with the Sydney Thunder and the Adelaide Strikers kicking things off, restarting the big bash season. So if you're not up to much on Saturday, flick that on and uh, start enjoying your cricket once again. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Plenty to watch uh, and uh, plenty to catch, uh, keep an eye out for, including the next instalment of the crowd catch. Until then, keep your eye on the ball because you never know when another crowd catch may just come your way.